The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. The scripture reading comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked, when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This is the word of God. Oh God. All right. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father God, we come to you in your mighty son's Jesus' name, just uh, thanking you uh, that you do desire to transform us. I pray that you would just use your word this morning to do just that, uh, to transform your people. Uh, move me out of the way. God, speak to us through your scriptures, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, agitate us where we need to be agitated, comfort us where we need to be comforted, Father God. Uh, decrease me and increase yourself. Be glorified on this morning through your word. It's in your mighty source, Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. It's called leaf curl disease. Leaf curl disease. It's a disease that's commonly found in fruit-producing trees, such as mango trees and pear trees and peach trees. It's called leaf curl disease. It's a little caveat, I am not a plant connoisseur. Uh, you might want to talk to Miss Kathleen Notman, she's, she's good with the plants. I'm not a plant connoisseur, but this, this leaf curl disease, it was, it was fascinating to me. Uh, the thing about leaf curl disease is this, when a plant gets it, it's brought to uh, an, an internal decision where it has to decide whether to let itself live and preserve itself and cease to be a fruit-bearing tree or die and produce a harvest of fruit and give off excess life to others. This leaf curl disease, it, 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 decide, it can either preserve itself and hold on to dear life but bear no fruit and give off nothing to anyone else we can make that internal self-sacrificial decision to die, but give off excess life and fruit to others. See, Christians are also brought to a similar point of decision. Each day, each day we can decide to either preserve ourselves, live for ourselves, think for ourselves, and bear no fruit, or we can die to ourselves and bear fruit and produce life and give off life to others. See, we know the fruit-bearing person when we see them. They bear the fruit of love. They bear the fruit of kindness. 
They bear the fruit of gentleness and self-control. And we love to be in the presence of these people because they bear fruit and they give off life. They're not preserving themselves and thinking for themselves. But we also know uh, the self-preserving, selfish person. They're, they're not concerned with anyone else. They're not concerned with giving off life to someone else. Instead, they're inside, they're internally making the decision to preserve themselves and think for themselves. It's, it's a form of immaturity. And God calls the Christian to maturity. Uh, in Colossians 1.28, we see this. This is on God's agenda for the Christian. Colossians 1.28, the Apostle Paul says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone. Mind you, he's talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. Teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That we may present everyone mature in Christ. We're going to land on that word mature just for a minute. All right? if, if you've ever wondered what your purpose is. If you've ever sat up at night wondering what does God want to do with my life. If you ever wondered like why am I here? What is the will of God? This is it. This is the will of God for your life. If you've ever wondered what is the will of God for my life, this is it. The will of God is for you to grow and mature and to be a fruit-bearing person. That's the will of God for your life. So are you supposed to take that job? I don't know. Are you supposed to marry that person? I don't know. Are you supposed to retire or keep on working? I don't know. Move into the suburbs, move into the city? I don't know. But the will of God for your life is for you to mature and to be a fruit-bearing person. As we continue our journey into the book of Colossians, uh, we're going to see that in Colossians 3, where we are today, Colossians 3 is kind of a bridge text. All right. So uh, in Colossians 1, uh, we were talking about who Jesus is. We were talking about the supremacy of Christ. We get to Colossians 2. We're still talking about who Jesus is. We're talking about the sufficiency of Christ. And we said that Jesus is enough. All right. So Colossians 1 and 2, this is who Jesus is. All right. And so in order for you to grow and be mature in Christ, you have to properly align yourself with who Jesus is. So Colossians 1 and 2, this is who Jesus is. But in Colossians uh, 3, where we are today, uh, we talk about how his people live. Alright, so we're going to go from Colossians 1 and 2, Christian thinking, alright, to Colossians 3, uh, we're dealing with Christian living. And another way we're going to put it is, we're going from talking about our justification, which is how we declare righteous by Christ, to sanctification, uh, and how we become more mature uh, in Christ. And so we're going to deal with sanctification and maturity. Uh, Sanctification isn't a word that we like use every day, it's not super common, so I'll give us a definition for it. It says, uh, sanctification... It's the process of becoming separated from the world and becoming more like Christ. It's a process. It's the process of becoming separated from the world because we were born into this sinful world with all of these uh, attributes and attitudes that come from the world. So there's a process of becoming separated from the world and becoming more like Christ. In a nutshell, Jesus is making you into something or someone uh, that looks like himself. And this is a process and it takes time uh, and it's not overnight. You getting saved was an event. But you being sanctified and, and becoming more like Christ is a process. All right. Somebody said it like this. They made it real simple. They say it took one night for God to get Israel out of Egypt. But it took 40 years to get all of that Egypt out of Israel. And we're in a similar 
place. We've got to get all of those instincts, all of those habits, all of those attitudes, all of those idols that we want to cling on to and hold on to and worship. And God is cleansing us of those idols. And it's a process and it takes time and it's messy uh, and it's ugly, especially when you're doing it in community with other people. It can be an absolute mess. But it's a process that God is working in you. And so we're going to look at Colossians 3. Like we said, it's a bridge text, all right? So we're about to go from Christian thinking uh, to Christian living. So this is Paul. He starts chapter 3 with this phrase. He says, if you have been raised with Christ. I'm just going to pause there. If you have been raised with Christ. So what we know from that is he's talking to Christians now. So if you've been raised uh, with Christ, and what we're going to get from this is that identity comes before activity. So before you get to doing anything for God, realize that you, you, your identity is found in him. So he's talking to the church. He says, if you have been raised with Christ, he's saying that your identity is no longer in this world. Your identity is in heaven. Your, des- your final destination is no longer in this world. Your final destination is, is in heaven. So let's not get too comfortable here, all right, on earth. But also let's not get too discouraged or worried about what's going on here because your final destination isn't here if you have been raised with Christ. And so, um, and now that we understand that, we have to live in light of that, all right? So the identity comes first. Identity comes before uh, the activity. And since I have a new identity, my activity, how I live, is going to flow out of that new identity. I remember uh, when I was at the University uh, of Memphis, uh, and you would always see the freshman class coming in, all right? And so some of them would still be like wearing their letterman jackets, and they're so proud of all of these accomplishments from high school, and they want you to know that they, you know, we're in the band, or we're in ROTC, or they play football, and they look like they're in high school, and they act like they're in high school, and what you want to say is, dude, you're not in high school anymore. You have a new identity. Live like it. Alright, and that's what Paul is saying, that you have a new identity now, you are a citizen of heaven now, live like it. And so, uh, the remainder of chapter uh, uh, 3, it goes like this, he says, if you've been raised with Christ, then, pause, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, where he's seated at the right hand of God. He says, set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died, past tense. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Christians, something from outside of this world came, impacted your life, and now lives on the inside of you. And now God is trying to transform you into something that looks like something from outside of this world. He's trying to transform you into his image. Uh, but if you have vein, blood in your veins this morning, if you have breath in your lungs on this morning, you know that this is absolutely difficult. Uh, most of us live in a frustration. We live in a frustration between who we were and who God is calling us to be. There's this constant tension because I'm not yet who I'm uh, called to be. I'm not, I, I haven't yet reached that heavenly destination. So it's difficult. All right. It's frustrating. It's this constant battle between me uh, and my old self. And so we're going to spend a little time talking about this process of sanctification. And the first thing we're going to see is that sanctification is a work of the spirit. Sanctification is a work of the Spirit. Let's be clear. It's not you changing you. 
We establish that with Jesus is enough. It's not you changing you. Sanctification is a work of the Spirit. R.C. Sproul says it like this. He says, Loving a holy God is beyond our moral power. The only kind of God we can love by our sinful nature is an unholy God, an idol made by our own hands. Unless we are born of the Spirit of God, unless God sheds His holy love in our hearts, unless He stoops in His grace to change our hearts, we will not love Him. To love a holy God requires grace. Grace strong enough to pierce our hardened hearts and awaken our souls. Simply put, we can't do it, alright? But Jesus is making us into something that looks like himself. He is. And some of you may be saying to yourself, but this is taking a long time. This is hard. I don't feel any different. My heart feels distant from God. I I fell into sin last night. Me and my spouse argued to church all the way to church this morning. It's real. The struggle is real. And I have to really have a lot of faith to believe that he's changing me. But the reality is, he is. He's working. All along, he's working. He's transforming you, changing you from the inside out. He's working. Philippians 1.6, it said like this. It says, and I am sure of this. This is a promise of God that you can cling on to when you feel like, man, I I don't think I'm changing. Philippians 1.6 states, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion At the day of Jesus Christ. That's a promise of God. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Alright. So you're probably wondering why this is up here. (laughs) See, something interesting happens. uh, Something beautiful, something amazing happens uh, with with salvation and with sanctification, this is us. This is this this white represents us and our attitudes and our personalities and all that we bring to the table. This represents our sin. All we bring to the salvation process is our sin. All right, and this is us. But when we get saved, when we, when, when God comes and lives on the inside of us, and this is God, He comes and lives on the inside of us. All right, so He, yes, let's get us a lot of that spirit in there. All right. And so we, we become we get indwelled by the Spirit, the scriptures say. He comes and indwells us, he lives on the inside of us. But he doesn't come to leave us the way we are. See, he's making you into something that looks like himself. So over time, through this process of sanctification, through trial, tribulation, through through obedience and faith to his word. Over time, we begin to look more and more and more and more and more and more like him and less like ourselves. He's making us into something, making us into something that looks like himself. And it's a process. It's not an overnight thing. All right. And so you may be asking, but do I have any role in this sanctification process? You do have a role in the sanctification process. You have a passive role, which is to just yield to his work in you. You say, God, not my way, but your way. You want me to go left, God, then I'm going to go left. I yield to you. You want me to go right, God, then I'm going to go right. I yield to you. And it's this process of letting go of control 
of, of my life and giving the reins and the control to him. So there is a process of me saying, God, I want to look more like you. I don't want to look like myself anymore. Take control. So we passively yield uh, to the work of the spirit in us. And so also actively we obey the revealed will of God. So he's, he's given us his word. He's told us to take steps of faith and come after him and follow him. And so actively we, we take steps of faith. And as we take those steps of faith, we grow up into maturity. So passively we yielding to the work of the spirit in us. Actively, we're taking those steps of faith and walking after him. And as we do that, we grow and we mature and we become fruit-bearing Christians and we look more like him. All the while knowing that it's not us that could have done anything because if he did not come and live on the inside of us and empower us to take steps of faith, it's not possible. You're done. The flesh has you. You don't have a chance, all right? But this, by the power of the Spirit of God that comes and lives on the inside of you, you're able to take steps of faith. Which leads me uh, to our, our next point. Sanctification requires some sweat. Requires some sweat. So there are some steps of faith that you take. So you may be like, oh, whoa, 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 but I, I don't want to be a legalist. See, the difference between now and, and being a legalist is that when you are a legalist, you're working for approval. But as a Christian, you're working from approval. The legalist works for love. The Christian works from love. The legalist works for an identity. The Christian works from an identity. It says, I'm a child of God. I'm loved. I've been bought by the blood of Christ. And now I'm going to move forward in my relationship with him. It's a process. And we take steps of faith and obedience to the revealed will of God. Uh, in our lives. And so, over time, you, you do have to put sin to death in your life. You have to obey the word of God. And that's how you're going to continue to grow. No one just drifts into maturity. Like some people have genes, right? They have these genes where they just don't have to work out and they just got a six pack and big muscles. It don't work like that with your relationship with God. There's just nobody born with spiritual genes. We all have to input some discipline. Uh, in his book, Ten Disciplines of a Godly Man, Kent Hughes says it this way. He's talking about the discipline uh, that we put in as we, as we grow. He says, uh, he's talking about athletes and stuff. He says, when, when one seriously trains, he willingly undergoes hours of discipline and even pain so as to win the prize. Running 10,000 miles to run 100 yards at one's best. The successful Christian life is a sweaty affair. No manliness, no maturity, no discipline, no discipleship, no sweat, no sainthood. God is calling you to take some steps of faith. And it's going to require some energy and effort that's based in his grace now. Let's not forget that. But it's going to take some energy and effort to press forward and grow into maturity. Nobody has the super saint genes. None of us. None of us got it. So it requires that. Colossians 3, 5, he says, and I want you to listen to all of the action words in this, because it requires some sweat. Colossians 3, 5 says, put to death, action word, put to death, therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. He says, put these things to death. 
let them linger. That lust issue does not want to play with you. It's trying to kill you. It's not playing with you. It wants to destroy your life. It wants to destroy your marriage. It wants to destroy your relationships. It is not playing with you. So Paul is saying, put it to death. Execute it. Be done with it. It is not a pet sin. There are no pet sins. Only sins that want to kill and destroy your life. Put it to death. He says, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. He said, in these, you too once walked new life now. You once walked in this. He said, in these things you too once walked when you were living in them, but now, but now, put them all away. Another action word, he's talking to the Christian. Christian, filled with the Spirit, loved by God, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. He says, do not lie. To one another. He, he really starts to focus in on, on the mouth. He says, uh, your, your, your lack of self-control with your mouth wants to kill you. It wants to kill your relationships. Gossip wants to kill your friendships and your relationships. Gossip wants to kill your marriage. Gossip wants to implode the church. Slander. Malice. Some people walk, have walked away from the church uh, because they've uh, felt like they've been abused by the mouth in some kind of way. Whether it be slander or gossip. That stuff is dangerous. And Paul is saying, don't play with it. Put it to death. It is not a game. He says, seeing that you have put the, off the old self with its practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of his creator. In a nutshell, you are a new person. You're going somewhere different. Your bags are packed. Your final destination is heaven. Start living like it or continue to live like it. Don't look back. Don't turn around. Put that old stuff to death. It has nothing to do with with where you're going. It's not going to benefit you in any kind of way. So how, how, how do we fight this sin? And how do we become um, more mature? How do we become more like Christ? Still by His grace. It's by His grace that He saves us and it's by His grace that we grow. And He gives us His means of grace uh, through His revealed uh, will, through His Word. This is grace. The Scriptures, this is grace. Like the fact that He spoke to us (laughs) and He encourages us and He challenges us and gives us direction. This is not just an ordinary book. This is grace. And if you're going to grow, you have to spend some time with it. This is a means of grace. It's not just paper and letters. This is the inspired word of God. And he's given that to us to help us grow and mature. Through prayer. We tap into heavenly power through prayer. Alright? And sometimes it's awkward. And we have to press through because we're talking uh, to someone who's uh, not uh, in in, in front of us presently. And it may feel awkward and it may feel weird. But as we press through and we tap into that heavenly spiritual uh, power, we talk as we talk to our heavenly Father, we grow. God has provided these means of grace. You're not alone to fight this battle. You're not alone. He's put His Spirit on the inside of you. You were alone before Christ, but you're not alone now. He's with you and he's, he's, he's walking with you and helping you press through. Sanctification is a work of the Spirit. Sanctification requires some sweat. And finally, sanctification is sometimes painful. Sometimes it's just outright painful. But the hard reality is in order for you to get to where he's trying to get you to be, uh, to look more like him, he's going to have to break you. 
and remove some of those old ways and some of those old attitudes in order for you to look more like him. So sanctification is sometimes painful. Uh, It's sometimes painful because he has to take away some things that are stealing our hearts from him. We're in love with some stuff too much. We've made them into idols. Uh, if, if you've ever had something taken away from you, you know that's absolutely painful and it can hurt. But he has to do that sometimes. Uh, maybe control is being taken away from you so that you can realize that he's in control of everything and that you, you're not in control of anything and that that's a good thing. Uh, maybe he, he's taking comfort away from you so that you can find some comfort in him and know that he's the source of true comfort. This sanctification is sometimes painful. It's sometimes painful because you have to make a hard decision that you don't really want to make. Maybe he's asking you to take a big step of faith in a direction and it's terrifying to you. Alright, but he's trying to grow you. Uh, maybe, maybe it's painful because he's asking you to part with a relationship that you know is not healthy. So, and he's saying it's time to let it go. Maybe it's an addiction or a lifestyle that you just feel like it's a part of you. And, and the Lord is saying, in order for you to grow, in order for you to mature and be that fruit-bearing Christian, you're going to have to let go of some things. Sanctification is sometimes painful because things happen that we just don't have an answer for. Things happen that your pastor doesn't have an answer for. Things can happen that your doctor doesn't have an answer for. That Washington, D.C. doesn't have an answer for. That nobody has an answer for. And you just have to trust him in those moments. Doctor's reports. Deaths of a loved one. Family drama. And sometimes we may not just have an answer for those things. And in those moments, God is refining you. God is making you more like yourself. God is teaching you to depend on him in those times. Maybe you're in a job that you're not liking. God is refining you. Maybe you're in a relationship with a person that y'all just rub against each other like that. Alright? God is refining you. And he's with you. In that process, and the whole time that your world is getting shaken up, we're reminded that it's not for nothing. All right, he's he's making you into something that looks like him. As we close, just a reminder: if you've been raised with Christ, there isn't a trial or a terror that you go through that doesn't lack purpose. It all lacks purpose. The whole time he's making you into something and someone who looks like him. He wants you to be that mature, fruit-bearing person. He doesn't want to leave you in your immaturity. He doesn't leave you alone to grow by yourself. There will be too much effort for you. You can't do that. I can't do that. But he comes and lives on the inside of us. And he does that. And as you fail, because you will fail, and as you fail, you take that failure to the cross and you get back up. And you're going to fail again. (laughs) And you take that failure to the cross and you get back up. And there's grace on top of grace on top of grace on top of grace. And then one day, finally, you're going to be face to face with the one who created you and who's been molding you into something. It's going to be the most amazing day that you've ever experienced. By his grace, he's, by his grace, he saved you. And by his grace, he's going to continue to refine you and grow you and keep you. You're not in this alone. Let's let's pray. Father God, we come to you in your mighty sons. Jesus' name, just so thankful that you don't just birth us, but you raise us and you grow us and you love us and that you're with us. That we don't have to press through on our own. God, we thank you that you do have a plan for our lives to mature us and grow us up and 
sometimes it, it hurts, but we know that you love us all the while. God, we come to you just as best as we know how, surrendering our wills to you. God, wherever you want us to go, we'll go that way. God, break our wills if we don't know how to. Help us to yield to you because your way is best. See your mighty sons, Jesus' name, that we pray. Amen. So now we're going to have a time of giving and someone will be with you shortly.